Welcome to A Drop of Hobby. I'm your host, Sean Risser. And I am Kristen Mueller-Heeslip. And I'm Preston Sampson. How are you guys doing this week? Cozy. I think that's the only way to describe this week so far. Yeah, it's been uh, getting colder. The weather is cold. The heating is on. It's like soup season. It's, you know, I, I like it better when it's a bit colder and it snows instead of raining. But, you know, it's Montreal. We'll get there we will very get there. soon. Like we'll... tomorrow, probably. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've been making mashed potatoes a lot recently, which I guess is soup adjacent. Yeah. Oh, this reminds mashed potatoes sound great. This reminds me of one of my like New Year's resolutions, which was to make a tray of mashed potatoes and bake it. Uh I've been um, <laughs> after boiling and mashing them and adding cheese or whatever thing to make them. Uh, actually like gooey uh, yeah uh, i've been refrying them in a cast iron pan uh and that works really well have you ever had smashed potatoes yes as opposed to okay no no so so a smashed potato the, here's a, here's a recipe for our listeners out there um you boil a potato you very carefully smush it whole 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 yeah toss it with some oil and you bake it at a high temperature for like I don't know, 45 minutes, like around 450, turn it once halfway through. And it is amazing. Like it's, yeah, it's like all kinds of potatoes in one. It has the crispy outside. It has the um, mashed, like a fluffy mashed slash baked texture. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the, it's, it's excellent. I recommend them. It's like if you can't choose mashed potatoes. Yeah. If you can't choose between mashed, baked and like wedges or chips, just go smashed potatoes. I, uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, I have a recipe also for a dip that's basically made out of potatoes, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> Just like so it's 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 carbs that you eat with more carbs. What? It's uh, Yeah. Yeah. I haven't made that in a while. Maybe I will. Right now, the mashed potatoes I have in my fridge, like uh, I added cooking cream to them because uh, I had stuff that I needed to use. And so I, I just improvised and added it. And it's really good. Uh, but it's also like the way I've been eating it is basically using veggies and meat as like the scoops for it. So it is kind of like almost <laughs> dipish in quality. Perfect. Winter food is like carbs you can eat with a f- just just carbs. Yeah. Liquid carbs. This is definitely the benefit of living in a place with seasons is that you get to really change how you eat for a good four or five months. <laughs> yeah. Like peppers are way more available in summer and uh, compared to now, at least like the grocery store I used to live next to only had peppers uh, for some of the time of the year. And it's just like, oh, I want Thai chilies. <laughs> Just have to somehow grow them in your apartment. Yeah, get a little pot. Yeah, I have the space to grow them now. Yep. Yeah. Got some little lamps. All right. So today I thought we could try something a little bit different. So I made a quiz about the topic, which is symphonies. 
not necessarily a low-end hobby because you generally need a pretty big group and hard to do non-professionally. But, you know, classical music, I figured, is a big enough field that I wanted to focus in on kind of just this one area. Mm -hmm. Good call. Uh, So before we get into it, like, do you guys have any experience with uh, symphonies in particular? Are we talking specifically orchestral music or classical music in general? Uh, I'm thinking specifically orchestral music because i know you have okay. experience like being a trained opera singer Kristen. yes it's not the same thing yeah uh, but i do have experience with i i did used to play the violin and uh i yeah i mean i have experience as a youthful player in symphony non-professional symphonies but for children it's less like um a hobby as like a you know a self-improvement activity right you know like you're, you put your kids in in music you you want your kids to play the violin because it's like well that will keep them out a keep them out of trouble and b teach them like discipline and stuff like that and c help them get into a good school and all that stuff so i it's interesting like what so you're you're thinking of of specific this is a, a, a weirdly specific topic because it's like symphonic music but as a amateur pastime not listening to it or going to it but actually doing it yeah the quiz is more focused on nonsense uh as opposed to trying to approach as a hobby and it's in and of itself uh because i don't know if this doesn't work then uh at the end of the quiz we can just talk about classical music more broadly okay because i don't know if how long this quiz will actually take we haven't done anything (laughs) like this before I love quizzes. Let's go. But Amy's got to answer the question yeah. first. Um, so like you, Kristen, actually, I um, I used to play a stringed instrument. I used to play the cello. I was also kind of a child, but not really. I mean, I guess I started when I was 13. So it was high school. Um, and so I was in the school orchestra and, you know, string quartet. And um, I don't really, it's so funny hearing you say, like, talk about the kind of objectives from a parental perspective about getting kids to play music, because I don't know if I've ever had this frank conversation with my parents. It was my decision to play the cello and it probably, it was, I mean, definitely self-improvement, but probably also I was just trying to be a bit less square. Like <laughs> I, <laughs> you were less square by playing the cello. I yeah. Mean, weird <laughs> how society's views on instrumentalists have changed. I mean, I'm not saying that it was successful or that it was the right decision, <laughs> but like as someone who is entirely like a maths and science nerd, I still think music was the cool, I mean, there was drama or there was music, right? Like as the other, or sport. Okay. So sport as like, I tried sport and managed to do it as a, at a like a participation level only. And also only did it solo, like cross country, like, you know, arts or whatever there's something about like the being in an orchestra where you get to do this thing with other people um which is much less like what's the alternative right I think I think for me it was an opportunity to be part of something where I didn't need to be socially accepted I just needed to have a skill and an instrument and then you get to go on band camp or like orchestra camp and you get to be part of like playing and doing this thing which is like yes you have to practice by yourself and you have lessons by yourself but actually it's fundamentally something like, particularly as a cellist, like if you're not Yo-Yo Ma or you're like really good at carrying like epic solos, you're basically playing a couple of notes, which are not that interesting. <laughs> oh yeah. You want to play a uh, Parker Bell? If <laughs> I did and I loved it and I also loved oh. to play it on the piano, but like, yeah, it's pretty boring. And so there was also this, this sense of like, it's actually, I could master that myself, but then that also wasn't 
I needed other people to play the hard bits to make it sound like music. Um, so there was something like something kind of interesting about that, the the like group or interdependent activity, I think. Yeah, so it's a, it's a really cool, a cool uh, kind of hobby ad- idea, I think. Okay, so let's get into this quiz. Uh, starting right. off, uh, what instrument would you play in an orchestra? Not necessarily what one do you have skill with, what one would you like just see yourself playing? I would say the trombone because the trombones are the natural jokers of the orchestra because, um, well, as Amy pointed out, the cello plays, you know, a few notes, but they play most of the time. The trombone plays a few notes and they sit around for most of the time because the brass is not usually in a symphony all the way through. So they play practical jokes on each other. One I remember from when I was in school, uh, one trombone player photocopied his hand giving the finger and taped it to the back of his, the guy who sat behind him, his music stand. And right before he was supposed to come in, he flipped it over on top of his music. (laughs) So right before he's supposed to come in with his one entry and whatever they were playing, he just saw a big finger right in his face. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i identify more and more with that energy as i'm getting older <laughs> oh that's really funny <laughs> yeah good question i mean i kind of feel maybe 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 a similar like for a similar reason something like the triangle or like the timpani or something where you kind of get to feel the music and be part of it but you also can just like you know here and there just like get into it add a bit of a add some percussion um and i don't know i don't know why i didn't do that at school but um it just definitely feels like you know you could be graceful and kind of enthusiastic and not too serious yeah i think i would be uh i I think i'd want to play the oboe because it just sounds like a fun instrument to say that you're a part of and also they tend i feel like there's a lot of symphonies that have oboe solos yeah Mm -hmm. definitely it's a beautiful instrument. Very, very hard to play, though. Yeah. Cool. Next question. If you were an instrument, which one would you be? Hmm. Uh, are you going to answer as well, Sean? Uh, for these ones, yeah. Okay. I would be a violin because I am small and I have a high-pitched, kind of annoying voice. <laughs> <laughs> um... I don't know. I guess, yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is definitely physique, right? Like it is definitely this kind of how do you see yourself? Like if if you were to put a face or like a face on an instrument and turn it into a cartoon, which one would you end up voicing? Um, And I don't know. I guess I feel like maybe like a bass clarinet or something. Like just kind of. That's a nice instrument. Yeah. I, I mean, not that I play it, but I don't know. I feel like something kind of like tall and like with a little head and like not that elegant a bit stick like yeah i think i'd be a harp high strung a lot of strings hard to play and nobody (laughs) knows how to write music for me true very true (laughs) to be fair hard to transport are you picky when you're traveling because like like harps are a nightmare to get around with yeah i'm i i already don't like traveling I don't think I'm like high maintenance when I travel because I try to pack as little as I need because who wants to haul around more than like their backpack on a trip? I also feel like one of the key like defining characteristics of, I mean, okay, I know you said which instrument would you be, not what instrument would you play, but I also feel like you have long hair. 
Oh, um, yeah. And I've like never seen a harpist with short hair. <laughs> yeah, I guess I've never seen a harpist with a buzz cut. Not even, not even <laughs> above harp. the shoulders. <laughs> like it's always, there was a harpist at my school and I just, I looked at her and I thought she's elven. Like. <laughs> well, Harpo Marks, uh, he didn't have long hair. Okay. True. Maybe, the, maybe he's the exception that proves the rule though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now we're getting into the points where there are uh, correct answers. Oh, I don't know if uh, I like that. What tool were orchestras conducted with originally? A big stick that you beat on the ground. Famously, the composer Luli died oh by hitting himself God, in the foot. Oh my God, you predicted the next two questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. Wait, but that's fine because this can, be, this can be an opportunity for Kristen to share her music knowledge. So wait, it was a big stick? I want to know what the next, wait, what kind of big stick? Just a big decorated ornamental stick. And you'd bang it on the ground to keep time like instead of waving your hands around to keep time, which is notoriously inaccurate. Um, and uh, so Lully, who is a French composer of the 18th century um, at the court of whoever the king was at the time, I don't remember. Louis the 13th he was conducting and the 14th. Or 14th and the 15th, whichever. I think. What, a couple of the Louis. So he hit himself in the foot with this big stick, obviously quite hard because it became became gangrenous um, or something like that. And they would they he had the choice to amputate it, but he's like, no, if I do, I will not be able to dance anymore. And dancing was such an important skill in like court life that like not being able to dance, you might as well be dead. And he died. I honestly think he made the wrong choice. Like, I'd rather yeah. be a no, well-known for, like, how, hitting myself in the foot so hard that I lost a toe than hitting myself in the foot so hard that I died. Well, we all, in the end, were all taken out by our pride and hubris, aren't we? I mean, how many people? <laughs> Who was the guy who died? Was it Tycho Bray died because he wouldn't get up to go to the bathroom or oh. something like that? This, he was an astronomer a court astronomer for someone and he was like I can't get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of this banquet because it would be rude and so he somehow or other died from holding his pee for too long With a drop of this moves us on to a game I like to call symphony or travel guide <laughs> so I'm going to list names of stuff and you're going to tell me if you think it's a travel guide or a symphony so cool. starting off a symphony for free men. I mean, it could be. Um, I can't remember which one it is. A symphony for free men, because like uh, Beethoven called the Eroica Symphony um, in memory of a great man, right? Um, there's a bunch of them with names like that, but I'm going to guess it's a symphony. It is a symphony. I don't remember it has home. a symphony in its name. <laughs> yeah, but I could Well, yeah, definitely... but you could call a book a symphony for something, right? <laughs> I'm sure there's an MTL blog title, some listicle that has symphony in the title. Yeah. And then the next, uh, Apodemica. Ap that's it? Apodemica? Apodemica. Is there a subtitle? No subtitle. Um, um, I wish I'd learned Latin in school. I'm going to go with symphony. Just because I feel like if it was a travel guide, there would be more. It would be a longer title. 
I'm guessing it's neither, but it's like a book, uh, 18th century book on like how to keep bees or something like that. Oh, you're close. It's 16th century and it's a travel guide. Oh, <laughs> what kind of travel guide? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, to where? <laughs> I just saw oh. a name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come then, on. Got to do more research than that. But like, that's a weird name for a travel guide. And I was like, I don't have enough time to look into this because the podcast is in an hour. <laughs> okay. Next, Harold in Italy. That is a symphony by Berlioz. Damn, Kristen. <laughs> I saw that name. I was like, how is this not a travel guide already? Also an interesting guy about whom there are stories if you want to hear them. <laughs> how, like, it's about a guy named Harold in Italy. That's a travel guide. <gasps> but it's, it has to be, right? But no, no. nobody's written this. Nobody's yeah. written this as a travel guide, and it upsets oh, me. Italy, a guy called Harold must go to Italy and write a travel blog about it. Come on. Okay, that, oh, so that's such a great idea. That is such a great idea for a movie, right? A guy goes to called Harold goes to Italy and writes like a travel blog about it and has adventures. Um, this is fascinating. With a okay. score by Berlioz. So, Apodemica... Travel advice literature was significant in the period between the mid-16th and the 18th century. It was becoming more and more widespread practice, so the need was felt um, for guidance for future travellers. The writing gave guidelines on how to systematise the knowledge acquired by travelling in order to benefit the learned community. These writings, that were seven, there were several hundred in number, can be read as milestones in the formation of modern scientific methodology but also as discourses on social practices of the period. This is so interesting. Thank you for the, thanks for the, um, the cute, like, uh, I wouldn't have found that otherwise. Yeah, definitely. I would have never known that Harold in Italy wasn't a travel guide if I didn't write this. (laughs) Listen, uh, it's good. Listen to it. And also listen to the Symphony Fantastique, which is like Berlioz's love letter to a lady he had never met, a famous actress. Um, and she did actually marry him and it did not go well. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next is Australia. A country. It's a country, Sean. I mean, it's also the name of a Baz Luhrmann film. It's the name of a lot of things we're finding out. But here today, we're answering the question, travel guide or symphony? Well, Uh, I'm sure someone's written a symphony called Australia, um, as well as a guide. It's both. Yes, the answer is both. I have it written as both. Yeah. Night of the Tropics. Oh, uh... Is that by Bernstein? I'm pretty sure that is a symphony. This is so difficult when you're playing against somebody <laughs> as knowledgeable about classical music as Kristen, Amy. I'm so sorry. Oh, I have been keeping I mean, points, but so far Kristen's been sweeping the board. Sorry. I, I'm i not viewing this as a competition as much as a learning opportunity. Yeah, yeah I might just <laughs> throw away this spreadsheet just right now because I don't think I have enough questions to overcome the gap. <laughs> <laughs> Weird Hollywood. Is it by Bernstein? I don't remember who it's by. Uh, I can look it up Night of the Tropics. Or something, but yeah. Oh, it doesn't matter, but yeah, okay. Um, I'm going to go Travel Guide. Yes, there's an entire travel book series of or called Weird US, where it's just weird followed by a place. Uh, and Weird Hollywood is one of them. Cool. Oh, cool. What, it, what, what would Weird Montreal be? The one restaurant where you go, uh, where you dine 
and there's no lights or anything, so you die in the dark. Oh, did this have one of those here? Yeah, this one I've in never London done that. and Paris, and they're oh my god, yeah, dans la noire. What else would be in weird Montreal? I feel. Mm. Oh, the fucked up bagels they have here. <laughs> that <I'm> like. <laughs> I'm taking Shots a stand. I'm anti-Montreal bagel. Every single one I've had has had like no salt. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's true. They tend not to salt them. I don't know why, but it's an experience, Sean. Like you got to take in the bagel of your of the place yeah. you're in. Yeah, that's you why know? it's in weird Montreal. Montreal's fucked up bagels. Uh, you're gonna get some hate. We're gonna get some hate mail for this one. <laughs> to be to be fair, to be fair, I feel like what you're describing is a book that would be part of the same series, which is clearly about America, but would be about Montreal. And so, in that sense, like it's kind of an external perspective. Mm-hmm. These bagels are fucked up. Uh, what is a what's a weird thing about Montreal? Uh, I feel like all the weird things about Montreal are like super contextual. Like it's like that you do just meet odd people. But also, like, some things are just strange, right? It's like every public event is either free or it costs $20. There is no in-between, right? You know, it's either this museum is free or it's like, yeah, it's $25 per person to get in. There was there were people who had birthday parties for potholes a while back. Or people who, like, <laughs> yeah. That's really set funny. Up, or people who set up, like, little tables, like, little tables sitting on top of the giant construction cones to kind of create little terraces in the middle of the road. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that 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 kind of stuff. I feel like the uh, Tam Tams, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, Montreal uh, drum band, drum circle. I think calling it a band is a bit of a stretch. Yes, well, I, think I, drum I mean circle. drum circle is like the <laughs> whatever. There's a guy who goes and like does astronomy on the mountain on like moonrise nights and stuff like that which is quite cool i don't know if that's not that weird but yeah it's just a fun thing I think this is the problem like defining weird is pretty difficult yeah all right so moving on exile symphony yes it's a symphony hmm, okay amy gets that one i don't know kristen i'm i've got a 50 50 chance <laughs> and i'm just Having a hedge based on <laughs> what the, what the, the title sounds like most likely to be. Time out. Oh, time out? Like, it's a, that's a question? That's a guidebook. It is. Are you familiar with this? It's a magazine. It's a magazine. Uh, so it's a, publish, it's a publisher of a, of a guidebook. That's, that's yeah. misleading. There were some where it's like, I think it's Brat. And it's like, well, that sounds like it could be a composer, but I can't say... Brass 63 and be like composer or a symphony or travel guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Alps. I'm going to guess that's a symphony in the vein of Finlandia by those, you know, mid-romantic guys. Yeah, I think the same person who wrote it also had uh, symphonies for, oh, I can't remember. I saw, I had the list up earlier. I don't have it in front of me anymore. So we'll just move on. Footprint. Oh. Tra- travel guide? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's a travel guide. Also, that could totally be a symphony name. Right? Like, just about, like, footprint. mankind's footprint on the earth or something like that. Or it's, it has the guys from that from Stomp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the footprint symphony. Or 
maybe it's an ode to stomp. Yeah, <laughs> it's a stomp tribute act. <laughs> Lonely Planet. Well, that's also a publisher. Yeah, we all know bags. that. Come on. It is? Yeah, there was a TV show of it many years have ago. You, have, Sean, have you ever bought a travel book? Absolutely not. I hate no, travel. No, he's too young, Amy. Pardon? He's too young. He is from the internet age. You didn't need. That you don't too. need a travel guide anymore. Oh, I just revealed yeah. my age. Thanks, Kristen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, when we were young, you had to have one yeah. because otherwise you wouldn't know anything and you'd get lost all the time. And now you can just go on Google Maps and you have it all oh, right at your fingertips. You're so right. You're so right. Yeah. It's also like the list I was getting a lot of the stuff from listed some of them as publishers and others, they just had the name. And so it's like, oh, okay, cool. So this is like a series or something instead of like an actual just pull on publisher. Well, I, I'm glad that I'm glad this this show has become intergenerational, and we can. It's not <laughs> yes, just. that's right. <laughs> Let me tell you about the time you had to get travelers' checks <laughs> and can secrete them somewhere on your person, or else you would not have any money when you were traveling. Or when the the plane ticket was printed out, and it was like a carbon yeah, copy. Yeah, and if you lost it, if you lost it, you were out of luck, and you couldn't get on the plane. Yeah, there was a whole, like, I had this little belt thing that you would wear under your pants Me that too. you would zip and put you would, you would put your money and your valuables in so you wouldn't get robbed. Because what would you do then, right? Yeah. My sister uh, traveled with a camera and a camera bag, uh, and she would keep the camera bag under her shirt unless she was, like, actively taking pictures with it. And at one point, some kids had found like the zipper and pulled it open somewhat wow under her shirt without her noticing that's amazing that's impressive and it's like fortunately they didn't get it open enough to take what was inside but it's like holy crap journey to vega symphony oh, vega's a star so i'm saying that's a symphony <laughs> i was really hoping somebody might get confused with you mean did you not pronounce vegas correctly sean <laughs> yes it's a symphony so not a travel guide at an earthquake uh symphony that would be a terrible travel guide yeah when i saw it, i was like oh that sounds like it might be a guide to california <laughs> oh um, I'd be interested in hearing that symphony about earthquakes. Yeah, I have no idea what it's uh, going to be about. My, my guess is it would be a really good one to be a percussionist. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of triangle action in there. <laughs> probably, yeah. Really loud, uh, oh, what are they called? Cymbals and gongs, probably. Yep. Okay, so now returning to our questions that are more freeform without points. If you were in the audience when Loli destroyed his foot... How would you rate that kind of dedication to the show? Um, you know, everyone loves an artist who really commits, right? But people didn't really used to pay attention at concerts. That's why a lot of the, like, if you listen to a symphony by Haydn or something like that, it usually starts with, like, a loud chord because it's like oh. him saying, wake up, everybody. There's something happening. A lot of the people there might not even have noticed, which is pretty sad. Say that happened now. Say you're at a, a concert and an artist gives himself a potentially fatal injury. I would say, chill out, dude. It's not worth it. Get your toe cut off. It'll be okay. You can do something else, even if you can't dance anymore. I think it would take quite a bit. I don't know. I think the difficulty would be knowing whether it was a stunt or it was for real. Like, I feel like there would it would take a while to be like, wait a second, is this, like, was this supposed to happen? Are we being played? 
this is not real because he's on stage, whatever. Uh, I feel like the chance of people misinterpreting it and not immediately understanding what's happened would be like, very high. Amy is a luli truther. <laughs> Did he really hit himself in the foot at all? Or was he just faking? Well, not faking, but just like, you know, you think if anything, well, I mean, I guess, I guess the fact that it would happen, like it happens, it's so out of context for someone to injure themselves. But I'm thinking all the other times where like it's a, it's a play or whatever, if someone kind of collapsed and died or someone got shot or um, whatever, there would be a degree of like, is this part of the show? But maybe, maybe if it was obviously an accident, then. I guess that does happen. Like people have heart attacks and stuff in the middle of performing or just collapse or strokes and collapse and sometimes do die on stage. Sorry, very morbid. And I, you do wonder like, did the, did who, how long does it take for someone to realize what's really going on? You know, I've never experienced that. Fortunately. There was like one comedian who had a heart attack and died on stage and people were roaring in laughter thinking it was a bit for like five minutes. Yeah. Oh my God. Which is like yeah, yeah. incredibly morbid to think about, but also my God, how good of a comedian are they that they could lie on the floor and kill the entire house? Oh, it's funny because when you do well doing stand-up, you say I killed yeah. it. And when you do badly, you say I died. I so. <laughs> <laughs> I died out there. I was dying out there. Oh, that's horrible. And he killed and he died at the same time. <laughs> There's actually an entire Wikipedia page dedicated to performers who've died on stage. Wow. Oh, my God. It's actually huge. <laughs> Jesus. I would have thought it would like be 30. I can't remember who what the opera was, but it was a Czech opera. There was a guy who died apparently right after singing the line, too bad you can only live so long. And then he collapsed and <gasps> died. That's poetic. Uh, I know. Moliere died like minutes after finishing uh, La, La Malade's Imaginaire, the hypochondriac. Oh, my God. Oh, that's, that's ironic. Yeah. Guess it was real. Poetic. Right after writing it or after performing in it? No, after performing it. Oh, my God. Like he didn't, he had a, he had a heart attack on stage, I think, but, <gasps> or a pulmonary tuberculosis. Uh, he didn't die on stage. He died on his way home. Yeah, I'm beginning to worry that we're jinxing this podcast right now, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're tasked with composing a symphony that poses mankind's struggle to overthrow the gods and find its place in the universe. What do you name it? Uh, what, what was what was that one? Apodemica, right? That's a good sounding name. That sounds very like resonant. Flash <laughs> uh, <laughs> of the Titans, the symphony. The last word. The last word. Oh, that's a fun one. The last word. Yeah, I think it would just be Riss or Symphony 1. Yeah. <laughs> Is this because all of your symphonies will be dealing with the same theme? No, it would just be my first and only symphony, you know? It's pretty hard. I mean, like, writing one symphony is more than most people do, so give it a try. I mean, like, one guy took 21 years to write his symphony, or his first symphony. But also, it's kind of wild to me that it's, like, such a big project and almost nobody actually names their symphonies. That's true. Like, they're all just going to their, like, numbered opuses. They get, like, nicknames, you know? Like, uh, like Beethoven symphonies. Like, he gave some of them names, but mostly they just are like, oh, this kind of sounds like that. So yeah, it's like, there's only three of them that have names, right? Like, uh, Eroica, Pastoral, and Fate? 
uh, the ninth one, whatever that's called. There's a name for that one, but it might just be a nickname. Oh, that one's like related to the fact that people are singing in it, I think. Yeah. I can't remember the name for it. It might be hymnal, but I don't think so. I don't know. I feel like it makes sense, right? Like if, if the language that you have been expressing yourself and your this emotion and like this story is through music, uh, the challenge to like put words to it feels somehow reductive. It's bad marketing though. Yeah. I mean, imagine like you're buying an album and it just says, well, I guess people, I guess artists do that a lot of the time, right? Like, a, like yeah, you're going to buy Adele's album. It's called Adele, right? You know, they do that, but only when they're pretty famous. Well, they're all named after her age, right? Yeah. 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 There's a symphony named Zero Zero as well. And I was tempted to put that in the list, but it's like, who would name a travel guide <laughs> Zero Zero? <laughs> is it a is it a symphony or is it a kind of flower they use for pasta? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess the idea is like there's this thing of uh, programmatic music or not programmatic music. Basically, it doesn't have a story, and if it's got a story, you can give it a name. And if it doesn't have a story, you shouldn't because you don't want to impose on the audience mm. what they're going to see mm -hmm. in it. So if it has a name, then that's telling you more information than is necessarily present, right? So something like Finlandia or the Hebrides Overture or things like that, like oh, this is supposed to be about this place, yeah. right? This is a feeling of you know looking out into the ocean from the rocks of the Hebrides or something like that. But if it's just Symphony Number no. One, then it could be anything, right? You can hear many things in it. So yeah, it's like I think that's the rationale why they don't have names. Symphonies are kind of tied to the rise of abstract music, where it's like instruments stopped taking on as much of my identity. Like flutes for a while were kind of tied to pastoral themes or feelings of love, and it's like, but new instruments, uh, like I think the clarinet, kind of got more abstract because nobody knew what to think about them. Interesting. Next question. You're teleported into the middle of a concert hall, full symphony in front of you, thousands of people waiting behind you, a man hands you a conducting wand, someone coughs. How long do you wave that piece of wood or metal around until you give up? I've never conducted a symphony, but I would probably just do a terrible job of conducting. I'd conduct the whole thing. I mean, you just would like, the conductor is like the director of a movie, right? Most of what they're doing is symbolic. It's not actually necessary to make the thing go. You have to start it and you have to like highlight special things. But most of the time they can play in time. They're going to do they'll, they'll do it like like. And if you if you're doing a good job at conducting, a lot of what you're doing is just letting the other professionals in the room do their job. So. So I would try and I would probably just, you know, stare like look down at the scoring every now and then and hope that I caught anything important happening. I think. Yes, I would take a similar approach. I think the challenge would be like if they, the you know musicians appeared to respond, I think it would be hard not to play around, right, with like waving waving your hands more quickly and see whether or not there was any response to that. And if there was, I think that it would become like difficult not to like abuse that power. <laughs> Oh no, Amy will conduct experiments. <laughs> I think it depends a <laughs> lot on what symphony is in front of me because there's only one symphony I've listened to enough to actually know the movements. I don't think I would. Oh, need you to would just do it blindly no matter what. <laughs> yeah, I mean, isn't this like this would be like as a kid, right? Like as a kid, if people are like responding to you and you can you somehow realize that you have the power to get other people to follow your instructions. 
I mean, it's just, it's like magic. And so I think that it would be hard to escape that like childhood fantasy to not be like, can I make people, it's like Simon Says, right? Basically, except on a more like grandiose scale. I don't know. I think I'm too, like, pers- I, I, I like to do a good job at things, even if I'm manifestly unqualified for them. So I would probably be like, okay, what, what's the time signature? Uh, all right. How fast is this? What is it called? Do I know this at all? Uh, I would probably like, try to like, this is like a nightmare that Sean is creating right now <laughs> <laughs> that I am probably going to have tonight where I have to conduct a symphony, even though I don't know how to conduct symphonies or what it is. Honest and probably not funny answer. I would try to do a good job and I would fail. What about you? What would you do? Yeah, like if it's Beethoven's Ninth, then I'll do it. Uh, it'll probably take a uh, hundred minutes because I'll be off time instead of the like regular like ninety or seventy to ninety uh, that I've seen for different conductors' performances. Because yeah, I I think I'm pretty bad at keeping time in general. If it's any other symphony, I would try to get through a movement and then walk off stage and hope somebody else picks up the baton for me. <laughs> <laughs> is that common for there to be multiple conductors throughout a symphony or just usually one usually one has it oh, ever happened usually one <laughs> i mean i'm sure there's an understudy or something oh, i'm sure someone hits himself in the foot yeah what if you hit yourself in the foot right you know like someone's <laughs> gonna be there to pick up i don't know what the, I, and i don't know what happened at louis concert did they keep going did he I soldier really on to or look up, like i like looked for this information and nobody told me if he continued to conduct after smashing his foot (gasps) well i feel like that's homework for everyone i gotta find that out now (laughs) yeah Yeah, uh, if we have any any uh, music historians in the audience who specialize in 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 luli and his friends then yes please please tell us we want to know what's messed up is that like the symphony he wrote was basically for a uh or for king louis the 15th 14th or 15th whatever basically the king had a toothache they pulled out his tooth and botched it and damaged his jaw which then they had to do really extreme measures for that i won't describe on here um and then he like miraculously recovered everybody thought he was going to die from what they did to him and then like this symphony was kind of like this celebratory piece for his recovery and then it resulted in luli dying oh man Oh my god. Ooh, you try to do something nice for the boss and you end up dead. Crazy. Terrible. Uh, your coworker tells you that uh, they're writing an entire symphony uh, and the show's happening later this week. Do you buy a ticket? And if not, how much would of you course. have to be paid to go see your coworker's symphony? God, I, I feel this is bad karma for improvisers to diss other people's passion projects. Hey, if this said improv, I would you still buy say a ticket? Like, I would have to it would have to be a free show because I'm in the improv community. Yeah. No, you buy a ticket to your friend's symphony, especially if they're paying their players, because that is expensive as hell. Um yes, I think also this is the first symphony, right? I think I think the more difficult question would be, do you go to the second symphony? Because honestly, I will go mm. to I will go to anything once. I will give anything a shot at least once. Um, but I think it's more difficult if you like, uh, you know, if it's the second one. Yeah, it's kind of like going to a person's second grad show. 
<laughs> yeah. Yep. We've, we are, exactly. we've been there. Everyone comes to your first show and then it's like, no, you're clearly, you're doing this now for your own benefit. Like you're doing this for you and uh, I don't need to be there. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And that's the end of my little quiz. Well, thank you, Sean. That was really fun. It was. It was really fun. I'm really surprised that it timed out well. Like I wrote like a page of stuff and I was like, oh boy, I don't know if this will take 10 minutes or how long. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, might do this for future episodes. Who knows? Next time uh, we'll have uh, Amy as the bartender, I believe. Um, Perfect. Yeah. So uh, anything you guys want to plug? Oh, wait, no. There's another thing we ask. How are your hobbies going? Uh, deep into the Christmas crafting, everything seems to be happening early uh, because, you know, mail is a problem these days. So I want to get everything done that has to be sent. So currently well underwater, but I'll get there. Well, I mean, that sounds like you've actually you're doing a lot of hobbying, but it's like hobbying under pressure, which um, pushes yeah. pushes it out of its definitional. <laughs> like it's yeah, it's no longer. I think a in leisure. a previous episode, I referred to them as obligations. <laughs> so yeah. Overloaded with obligations. Uh, yes, I had high hopes of making matching slippers for everyone that I was spending Christmas with, but now on the 22nd of November, I think I need to accept that I probably can't pull that off. Um, I mean, I could if I didn't have anything else to do, but um, yes, trying to get a few things knitted for Christmas to send back in the post, but otherwise um, mostly just school stuff, unfortunately. But bring on the Christmas baking come December. Yeah, for me, I thought by now I would have a kiln and a potter's wheel but they haven't arrived yet and so i probably need to call in so my hobbies have still kind of been on hold uh and then animal crossing released an update and that's been dominating <laughs> my time well and you've been brilliantly painting your house as we can see um for the for our listeners at home um sean is sitting in front of a beautiful bright red wall so it's darker when the light's lower i keep the lights higher for web camera stuff but yeah it's i really yeah, like it with well, the low it lighting great. Uh, cool. Then anything to plug. It's not a symphony, but I have an album you can buy called A Present from a Small Distant World. If you like the theme song, it's absolutely nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still me singing. So there you go. Uh, Bit.ly slash small distant world. How is it different or how is it the same to the same song, Kristen? I want, I want to hear you unpack that um, comparison. Uh, okay. So the, the theme song is... I would say in a an antique pop idiom, right? Um, I think I described it offline as being the sort of thing they would put in a coffee commercial in the 80s. <laughs> the album Small Distant World is a compilation of different pieces by a friend of mine, Alex Eddington, who's a contemporary composer. And it's just like more weird. It's more weird and classical, and but weird classical. So if you like that sort of thing, and I know you do, everyone listening, um, check it out. Well, what about you, Amy? Anything to plug? Nothing at all. Well, uh, I'll also plug Kristen's podcast, uh, Middle-Aged Candy Store. Yeah, coming back. Uh, season two starts January 1st. Thank you to Kristen for our theme song. Uh, and have a good day. Bye. 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 A drop of hobby. A drop of hobby. A drop of hobby, a drop